0: Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Judy Cho. I am board certified in holistic nutrition and I work with clients to get to root cause healing. And oftentimes that is healing the gut with a meat-based elimination diet. So today I'm excited. I have one of my clients that wanted to share her journey about breast implant illness. Kay McLaren is a mother of four. She just celebrated her 50th birthday and she lives in Wisconsin. She has been an avid athlete her whole life. She's very fit and you will just hear her journey about sometimes how root cause is something more than just gut health thyroid imbalance, or hormones. I hope that you guys take away a lot of information about breast implant illness in this very vulnerable share. All right, let's get right into the conversation. Hi, Kay. It's so good to see you again. Um, I'm so excited for this conversation. I think it'll help a lot of people in an area that, you know, doesn't really get a lot of, um, I guess, airtime. So if you can just introduce yourself. Okay. So um,
1: I'm Kay. I'm a mom. I have four children, uh, 16, 14 and identical twins. Um, when I was 40. So, um, I, at that point when I was done breastfeeding, you know, two human beings, I wasn't happy with my body anymore. And part of it was because I had been so focused on, um how i presented physically in my life i was trained that way i was raised to um be perfect and i was only praised when i when i looked good so i felt flawed um i felt like if i just went and got some implants i would be happier with myself and plus when you're 40 and you breastfeed um and there's no collagen left in your system i mean you are left with quite deflated um like mush. So I did. I went and I, uh, without researching a lot, I was 45. I I could have been resourceful and done that, but I went to the local person here and I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just wanted what I wanted. I went really small because I thought somehow that would be um, less shameful or less obvious. Um, I got the the smallest ones they make. I liked them. I, I, I enjoyed them because I didn't think that people could tell, but deep, deep down, if I really thought about it, I felt like a poser a little bit. It wasn't, it was, it was fake. I I liked the fakeness part of it. And that felt slightly hollow to me. If I'm really being honest, looking back at the time, I don't think I would have been able to admit that to myself, but so that was 45. Um, I had been an avid runner. I just finished a 50K race where um, I'd done exceedingly well. I beat all the men in their 40s, It was super cool. Um, and then I got my implants in and um, I was great for a few years. I really felt fine and fit and um, I could lift the way that I would normally lift and have the energy. And about three and a half years in or three years in, I just started to um, deteriorate along lots of very typical breast implant illness, very nonspecific symptoms. So most women, when they go to their nutritionist like you or a physician will present with I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. I, my brain fog. I can't think clearly. I um, I have aches and pains, and um, a whole slew of potentially hormone-related, thyroid-related, autoimmune, and inflamed issues. So there's you don't have a specific direction in which to pursue. So so many women like me went to their general practitioner and said, "Like something's wrong. Let's run all these tests and let's figure out what's wrong." you're fine you're great your labs are normal your thyroid might not be optimal but you know it's probably just hormones and your' you're 50 you're almost 50 years old and I did that to so many different practitioners I thought okay I'm gonna try a private naturopath I hired a private naturopath board certified obgyn a woman who actually she's in our space in our keto space very um, focused on diet and gut health who had also had breast implant illness and also had hers removed, but not once in the nine months that we worked together as a concierge private situation, did she bring it up to me, even though I was presenting textbook with it. So it just, it's not top of mind. It, in my opinion, now it should be the first question any physician asks literally it, do you have breast implants? Because breast implants the first thing that they do once they're inserted in your body day one is your, your body perceives these foreign things and foreign things in a body elicit the same reaction, whether it's a hip replacement or, you know, any kind of, um, implement and they go to work to protect your system from it. And that work, um, takes a tremendous amount of energy on your body's part. So, what it does then is whether it's a pin in your back or an implant, your body then creates a capsule around what you put in there. And that capsule looks very much like a gestational sac, um, but it's porous and it's not um, watertight like a gestational sac would be. So things can freely come in and out of it. Okay. But The amount of energy and work that your body is focused on these foreign bodies takes a tremendous amount of toll on your adrenals and your immune system. Because those of us who already had autoimmune diseases, I had hypothyroidism, which I controlled at that point through supplements and didn't want medication because I hated the fillers. It was back. Because my body, like so many other women, it gets so busy focused on these things that it doesn't have the energy then to keep up to date on all the other things that your your immunity is supposed to be doing for you. When your body is busy like that, it lets other things slide. So with women who there are some women who with breast implant illness really get severe Raynoids where they're, they're freezing. They're cold constantly. Some women get infections that just won't go away. Um, a lot of women present with skin rashes that came out of nowhere and they try for years, topical, sometimes the horrible, uh, uh, what it, what was that, that medication that everyone took? Pro- oh, for
0: a, for it, acne? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, you know, you know, in your research, that just makes everything so worse. So women's hair falls out and they think it's thyroid and hormones and and all these things. So in this quest to figure out what's going on with you, you don't have a really good lead because your symptoms could be a result of so many other things sure. before you finally get to realize that moment where... It actually could be your implants.
0: Working with you, it's as a practitioner, that's the hardest thing. Um, We do questionnaires and we ask a bunch of questions also about breast implants. And um, I don't pay attention to it as much as I will now, right? So this is like how I learned as a practitioner as well. And I always start out with the gut, but there's always so many similar symptoms, whether it's the thyroid, whether it's an adrenal thing, whether it's a gut thing or whether it's even this breast implant illness. And that's the hardest thing for practitioners is to figure out what the root cause is. Working with people like you, um, it helps us to find different avenues. And it's not simple. Even with my research with thyroid disease, there's a lot of uh, misdiagnosis. I think over 40% of thyroid Um, hypothyroid is um, wrongly diagnosed. And so your markers might look off, but it may not be the core of a thyroid issue. It might be something else. So what you say makes so much sense. So um, what made you decide that maybe it's the breast implants and it wasn't the thyroid, it wasn't your gut. And like, how did you start going down that pathway?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, the, I'm, I'm, I am going to go back. The, the thing about the gut for women who have breast implants is really, really big. There is a tremendous amount of dysbiosis that happens once the implants get in. It somehow affects the balance so much that I had candida. I had H. pylori. I still have a ton of parasites that I've yet to to cleanse out. Um, and things moved around so much for me that um, I ended in the hospital with C. diff. which is serious. And it was terrible. That just shows you the level of disruption that can happen. And the reason why I sought out you and carnivore is because with all the inflammation that my body was having, I thought I was, um, it was diet. I mean, what else? I was super fit, clean. I wasn't drinking at the time. Um, so I kept on eliminating foods thinking that's, what's causing all of these, these issues. So, I think actually eating carnivore really, really helped me not get nearly as sick as some women, to be honest, because the level of inflammation that goes along just with the standard American diet and um, vegetable oils and gluten, you know, all those things on top of the inflammation that the breast implants are creating um, is devastating to some women. And I didn't have that because I was so clean with my with my carnivore. Um, uh, and I wasn't experiencing food sensitivities like so many women with breast implant illness do to like out of nowhere, you eat something for 40 years and all of a sudden it you know, is causing you a reaction is, right. is, is pretty strange. So to answer your question about how I finally got there, um, my, my exhaustion and brain fog was so bad. I don't, I I literally don't know how I was doing it. I have four kids, right? And four kids, they're not patient people with their mothers, Judy. I mean, you know this, right? So my brain fog was so bad that I would have them set up at the breakfast, whatever, cooking this, serving this, salt here, whatever. And it was like rapid fire with kids, you know, mom, 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 mom. And I couldn't finish sentences. I couldn't find words to speak. Um, and they were getting frustrated with me. They don't show frustration kindly to, to moms, but um, I felt really like I had been injected with a drug that made me stupid and just exhausted. I at that point, I think it was, it was so bad. I couldn't, I couldn't work out anymore. I could barely Walk sometimes, I would get the anxiety of having to have a conversation, especially with someone I hadn't seen in quite some time, was terrifying. I really wish I could remember the light bulb moment when I figured it out. But the reason why I'm doing this podcast and I do the writing that I do on Facebook and social media about it is because. Um, several years ago, a friend of mine from just a general friend, another soccer mom, she had hers out because of her breast implant illness. And she posted about it on Facebook. And I remember sitting there looking at that post being like, nah, no, no, not, not me, not me, but it went in right. Like I, I, I thought about it. Um, and I just, for some reason, it, you know, God whispered to me or something happened. And I, I pulled it back out about two years after she posted it. And I contacted her for, um, uh, we went out for um, coffee, which was really wine, but it was coffee. So we could talk about it. I just asked her a whole slew of questions. She had um, had very similar where her autoimmunes flared up within two or three years of her getting her implants in. She, she researched it and went to one of the most um, well-known doctors in the country to get them removed. Um, she had about a nine to 10 month waiting list. And by the time I contacted that doctor to ask about it, um, the waiting list had gone up to 18 months and I, wow. I, I could, I couldn't do it. I, I, I literally couldn't do it. Um, So then I started researching it myself and I realized this, if this isn't it, then I'm, I can't imagine what else it would be. And there was a lot of fear in there, especially in the days leading up to the surgery um, to get them explanted where I was petrified that what if this isn't it? Like, what if my liver not methylating all these toxins is really liver cancer or my mind would spin as to like, oh my gosh, what if it's really not it? And my breast implant advocate who works at the plastic surgeon's office where I found through um, um, breastimplantillness.com, I believe, was assuring me that everyone goes through the same things and it's always the implants. Uh, this, this physician's office was not in my local college town, which is a huge um, university town setting. They don't do the proper um, explant procedure. None of the physician, none of the plastic surgeons in my very big town um, do not, so I had to research a place that would do that. And I can talk more about the explant process too, if that's of interest. but um, this particular surgeon's office now will not put them in anymore because he has seen they have seen so many women. Um, come through so sick and are doing one of the first clinical studies on breast implant illness. So you feel supported when you go to a place like that, because there are most surgeons out there. I have read story after story of women who, when they go to their surgeon to ask about breast implant illness, could this be happening to me? Could this be why I'm suffering from all these symptoms? They're like, the condescending attitude with which they are spoken to is polling no it, it can't be that um, you don't want them out you'll look still you'll look bad you'll look weird um, we'll replace them we'll start afresh all that kind of stuff so they're very much non-supported if you go to the majority of plastic surgeons these days
0: well I mean it's a multi-million if not billion dollar industry so I mean it makes sense do you know how many people that get breast implants, um, end up suffering from breast implant illness, or at least recognize that it might be it. Well,
1: there, the saying in the community is, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, okay. So you have so many, let's just say for, for example, just one statistic I know is in 2018, 330,000 women in the States had them put in. Okay. Right. So, Imagine if all of those women in the next two or three years started getting autoimmune issues or hormone issues, because your adrenals are so stressed out, your your adrenals, you know, affect your pituitary, they affect your thyroid, they affect everything down. And then they start to seek medical care along, you know, along those lines. So, and I don't know the number of them who will eventually figure out that it's probably instigated by the breast implants, but I will, I will say this, that it is so dependent on your bio-individual ability to handle toxicity in your body. So you might handle it completely different than I did. You might be able to rock your implants for 20 years before you get sick, before it leaches out. For me, for a number of different reasons, I, you know, I succumb to it much, much quicker and much faster primarily because I had a rupture Um, and so the silicone was leaking out very aggressively into my system and not, uh, but you do not have to have a rupture to have breast implant illness at all because the shell is made of silicone and about 40 other different chemicals. Some of them being neurotoxins, some of them, you know, I I don't know the categories, but they all do leach out at room, at body temperature over time. And they, they, Attach themselves to primary your lymph because your lymph is the system in your body that's supposed to be helping you detox, right? But silicone is super sticky um, and gummy by nature. It is extremely hard to remove from I it's my ruptured implant spilled over on my counter when I had it in the bag that they gave me. It kind of leaked out. And I, for the life of me, couldn't scrub it off. Wow. There's a film left still on my counter over there from the silicone. Like wow. steel wool, right? There's, scr- there's marks from the So can you imagine how much work it would take for um, your body to start to to rid itself, to detox from these right. things? I have a very strong vaccination history. I went to Africa in the back country when I was right out of college um, and had. Dozens and dozens of vaccines. Um, same thing for my honeymoon in Cambodia and Vietnam. Um, I have uh, high mercury, as you saw from my hair and mineral tests when we were working together. So, for whatever reason, maybe my ability to handle this particular toxin—that was the straw that broke my—that my back, but someone else's um, might take a lot longer. And but some women get sick like immediately their body just shuts down. There's not a formula that, that can tell you when and how long you're going to be sick. It's it's so individual, which makes it so even harder to, to diagnose.
0: When you get breast implants, do you fill out forms that kind of explain your past medical history? I mean, is there even a, a process where, okay, you're actually not a viable candidate to get breast implants? Do do they have things like that?
1: No, that did oh. not happen. We were, we, our conversations totally had to do with size and placement and that was it. And my surgeon at the point at the time kept on trying to convince me to go bigger because wow. these are the, these are the smallest ones we've ever done. I have to special order them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, as a side note for women to be aware of, to the story, um, is that I had asked for, paid for, signed for saline implants because saline in my brain I thought was slightly safer because they were going under the muscle. Um, the shape didn't matter because when you put them under the muscle, the shape just conforms to the muscle, not the actual implant. So when women do silicone, they tend to, some of them put them over the muscle because it just falls better and and whatever. So. When I woke up from my explant surgery and was told not only I had silicone implants in me, but that one was been ruptured in, you know, less than five years. And from the looks of the liquid in it, um, it had been ruptured for quite some time. I was shocked. Yeah. So um, this happens to women where you think that you're getting one thing and you're not getting, you're not, you're not because there's some fine print on the contract that says, If in the case, you know, I don't know, I'm married to an attorney. I don't know what that would be, but legally, I guess he was able to do that.
0: Wow. Did you ever talk to that doctor? And
1: it was a perfect storm of he retired within a few months of putting (laughs) mine in and um, my records that I had, he gave me a CD in the thing. And um, I looked at them on my desk for months, telling myself I need a really special place to file them away. And when I filed them away, I must have really put them in a special place because I cannot find them for the life of me. So I, I know one day when I leave this home, I'm going to move, it's going to be in my mortgage or I I don't know. I, if I really wanted to, I could hire someone and I could find him because you're allowed to, but at this point, you know, to what end? And
0: yeah, I'm just going to ask this anyway, but do you think anyone should be getting breast implants? Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful.
1: No. I, I can't, after all the women that I have talked to and read about the terrible journey that they go through, I I came to my journey really quickly on the scheme of breast implant illness, um, probably because of the rupture, because I, I, I deteriorated so fast, but having a foreign body inside your own takes away from every single system that you have, there are estrogen mimickers in the in the silicone chemicals that are in in implants. So what that does is, even if your body is creating the proper amount of estrogen, um, it can't absorb into the cell because it's already been taken up by the imposer. I mean, there's the complications and nuances that I'm just not very well versed in. And there are silicone detox experts out there that I can link to for you um, um, that really understand how this works. Um, Every single system in your body is affected when you have a foreign body that's leaching toxins out in you. So I would say absolutely not. I would really implore women to think about the root cause of why they think they want them in the first place, which has to do, in my opinion, with a sense of um, lack, like not being, not being enough.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that. I know you said that diet was really important. It almost was a great band-aid for the period to mask Um, the illness, and then even working on your gut. And I know all of the other things that you were working on. So you are a very great student in that sense. So whatever protocol you needed to follow, you were great at doing it. And But you realized during this journey that there's a lot more than just the diet or just the physical, but there's also a lot of the mental side. Can you talk a little bit about maybe why people, you know, if we were to just rewind time of Why do people even want to get breast implants? Right. Um, And it's, it doesn't really even have to end with breast implants. It could be anything on your body. Why do people get liposuction? Why do people get whatever else it is? So can you talk a little bit about that and what you found in this community, just going through this process?
1: Yeah, there's, I think that there's probably two aspects of mindset here that are really important for women to start to ask questions of themselves about. And one is what I said before, which is this idea that you need to look externally for something to make you feel a bit better about yourself instead of creating that for yourself. I mean, for me, I was a 45 year old woman whose tiny little breasts had fed four human beings, right. And gone through a, you know, a tremendous amount of, um, amazing service providing, if you will, in mothering those children. And this is what I was left with. And I was ashamed of it. I wanted to change it as opposed to being so grateful and honoring that. Right. So um, a, a lot of the women in the community have um, issues that go back to childhood where they're told, um, Oh, when you grow up, you're gonna. Hopefully, you'll have the the body of your mother, or the you know. And so they're striving for something else besides their own unique self. Um, I was very much um, praised for how I looked when I was a kid, and not so much about what I had to offer or say. So I, um, um, so for women who are looking to do alterations to themselves, to really ask themselves about um, their level of self-love, their level of um, compassion towards themselves, um, who they're surrounding themselves with. Are these people looking at you like you have lack and why are you choosing them to have them in your your life? What are your boundaries with um, uh, social media and the messages that we get to compare ourselves to? Unattainable perfection, um, uh, which isn't real, right? So it's this mindset of a lot of the women like me um, felt like there was something wrong with me and I'm going to go over here to fix it. The other part of mindset it is on the other side of um, the implant illness, it's on the explant side. So after I realized that this is what I needed to do. I needed to get the the explant done properly in a full en bloc, And I can provide a description about what that's like, because it's not just removing the implants. It's much more complicated than that. But when you're on that side of the journey, yes, there's a physical detox protocol that you have to go through um, because the silicone legitimately is residing in my body. It is taken up on my organs, on my brain. Um, I do castor oil packs, I do red light, I do you know, the sauna. And Judy, I do um, I, I do coffee enemas. And if you'd have told me nine months ago that I was going to be doing a coffee enema, I'd have thought that you were some kind of legit perf because that's just, it, what? But it's a thing and they work and they help move that bile and they help unclog your liver and help you methylate. So there's all sorts of physical. Um, detox things that that you do need to go through, um, because it it is in your body. But the other part of that detox um, is truly taking a look at other levels of toxicity in your life. And I know that word is so overused right now, like everything's toxic, but legitimately you can have toxic attachments. You can have boundaries that are not certain, you know, that you haven't established you, um, relationships that you've held onto for so long that you need to change the dynamic of, um, and, the, and the way that those toxic things affect your cortisol. And then the, you know, the avalanche of pituitary and thyroid and present precisely the same way physically in your body. So they could be in charge. They could be the reason why I had brain fog. That could be the reason why I'm I had such fatigue or my joints were hurting, is because your body is producing the same physical manifestation of silicone due to like let's say an, an attachment pattern. That's really, really bad for you that you keep on replaying. I'm, I'm trying to detox from one right now, you know, some relationship that I've held on to for so long and it's not, it's not serving me. If you really want to get rid of, um, all the symptoms you you almost have to address the, the stuff that's going in your mind first, because you know, you probably see this all the time, maybe even more with female clients. They come to you and they probably want to know exactly how many calories and exactly how, what fat to eat and the percentage, and that's going to fix all their issues. And we, as a society, I think maybe maybe Western medicine, allopathic medicine puts so much focus on the tangible, but focusing on the tangible, all the supplements I need to take, um, et cetera. Is so much easier than doing the trauma work, yeah. And even though the result is it, it, the result's the same. People in our society tend very much to go, "What supplement can I take to, to for that? How can I? Let me do a parasite cleanse, and then I'll be done." And it's not a, it's not about the parasites that are necessarily living in your gut. It has to do with the parasites that you've allowed to stay in your brain that are talking to you all the time. It's a huge part of this healing journey is is dressing both sides.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I absolutely agree with that. I think a lot of my clients that are the sickest, um, they all have some trauma work that they have to work on. So a lot of them, I recommend um, working with a therapist and doing past trauma therapy or even just currently something or a relationship or a job or whatever it may be that is constantly in them that's having their cortisol a little bit higher on a daily basis and that's affecting everything in their body. So I am a firm believer in working on other parts than the diet because if if it was just the diet, so many people would heal so quickly and Mm -hmm. carnivore would be the answer for everything because it's the most bioavailable cleanest diet. But the reason I have a practice is because it's not all-encompassing, right? There are people that are struggling with, maybe it's just parasites, but it's a lot of times it's where are the parasites from? What's causing them? And why do you have them? And why can't your body detox some of them? And a lot of times, like you said, it's trauma and it could be trauma currently and trauma from the past. So uh, this is really just important stuff. And then the mindset of why you even want to get them in the beginning of, you know, what's so wrong with me currently, That I want to alter things. I was, as I was thinking about our conversation or planning for it, I was putting on makeup and I was like, well, this is kind of silly too, right? Like, why am I putting on makeup to talk? Um, And I know we want to present ourselves the best, but in a sense, my kids are like, mom, why are you painting your face? They'll say that because they're still so young. Um, And then when they're trying to use my makeup, I'm like, no, don't touch it because there's like toxins in it. So it's so funny. And I know it's so rampant in our society, but what are some ways that you, have been trying to talk to your younger self that wanted to get, like, how have you been trying to work on that healing of why you even wanted to get it in the first place?
1: For me, that wasn't one of the biggest things because I was 45 when I got them, you know, so many women out there, they, they have to really work on the mindset of who they would be now without the implants because they got them in when they were 19. Oh god. And they had them and they had this identity all around them for so long. Um I you know I I didn't. So I just I thought it was a little bit I would be better. I would be more confident. I've always been so into fitness um and people were, were always asking me if I was competing, like in a master's group for older. And I know it wasn't interesting to me, but I thought, well, maybe if I wanted to compete, I would, I have to have them because everyone you see up on stage, they clearly all have them. I could be better as opposed to being really just satisfied with what I, what I had. And that in and of itself is a problem, right? I, I. I don't want to ever have to look at outside even to another person um, to ever make me happy again. Right. That's not their job. My job is to come to you full and complete
0: right.
1: and you be full and complete. And it's not to fill each other's like buckets up. Yeah. So I want to have my bucket filled from myself without looking to an implant or an injection or a hair dye anymore. I'm done. You know, I, This is me. It's it's really doing some of the trauma work from childhood issues that children you inc- you think that things that are going around going on around you are all your fault, yeah. right? You you really internalize that, and if you also have um, relationships in your childhood that. Um, might piggyback on that, might you know support you in how flawed that, that you are. Um, you really grow up thinking all the time about pure shame. like shame for existing, shame for trying to, to speak your authentic self. Um, uh, pushing that authentic voice down all the time so that you spin up here and you can say things that people want to hear so that you can be loved and not not that flawed self down in there. So, so much of me now is really trying to pause and drop in and hear that authentic voice that was not allowed to speak for so many decades. Um, and that authentic voice would not have told me to get breast implants. I can tell you that because I have never felt, um, I, I feel really confident now. I just turned 50 and, you know, I, I will never, you know, be an Instagram model, and I don't care because my body has been through so much, and I am so grateful for the amount of work that it has done to, um, to provide me um, with this, with what I'm walking around with.
0: And that makes me so happy. I mean, when I first talked with you, um, I remember mentioning certain things to you about confidence, and so that's so so great to hear. Um, I'm sure there's going to be many people that are asking when you got your explants. And then um, one of the questions that um, the community asked is, you know, what was the process? And and then how much do you feel like you're healing now?
1: I feel it's only been eight weeks since I've explanted. Okay. So I'm really in the in the early stages of it. And the, the formula that's out there in the community says, um, and it's very it, this is so basic, but um one month for every year you've had them in mm-hmm. to to really start to to feel healing. Some women wake up from their surgery and they're like, oh my God, they literally, their, their eyes are whiter. My eyes were whiter. They, their hands were warm. So many of their symptoms were gone. It's like within waking up other women take much longer and it's very up and down because of the way the silicone or the chemicals, um, might be moving around and relodging in your body. There are some days where I feel worse because of the chelation that I'm trying to do because I think that my balance is is off. So that's a a very personal one. I I can tell you though, when I woke up from my surgery within a week, the brain fog that I was experiencing was so bad before. um, It felt like the heavy curtain on a theater was raised, right? And I could finish a sentence. I could speak. I could come up with a word for the most part in a conversation. There's still a thin layer there that I like the see-through curtain, you know, that you can kind of see what's going on behind the stage. I feel like that one's still there. And, um, I'm not a hundred percent myself yet. Um, and in a lot of things, my, my joints, my muscle tone, you know, all these kind of things w- will come with time. I have faith in that now. Explant. Did you want me to go into yeah, if you
0: the wanted, process? Go.
1: Yep. Yeah. So finding the proper doctor is so huge. Number one, you have to find someone who actually believes in breast plant illness. Mm-hmm. If they, if they don't, they will try to talk you out of the proper procedures. They will try to, um, get you to do it again. They'll, they'll do, they'll do anything, um, and diminish the, women are so used to being diminished in their what's really going on in their bodies, um, protect particularly by male doctors. I think that that is a very unhealthy dynamic to go in asking for help from someone who doesn't believe you huge, sure. the actual explant. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. The easiest way is that capsule that I was, I was describing before that my body bodies create around the implant. Um, it looks it's like a thin-skinned um, sack. That sack adheres to the the breast tissue and the rib cage where it's housed. So getting that sack all out is very challenging because you have to scrape it, you have to cauterize it, you have to um, somehow get all the tissue off is you save as much tissue as you can and pull the capsule out. Now the next level of difficulty is doing that all with the actual implant intact within the capsule. And that's called an on block, which means you do it in its entirety. So those doctors are few and far between. And because it requires a tremendous amount of skill, my surgery was almost five hours. Oh, wow. Whereas it took 45 minutes to put them in. Right. So Some explant doctors will say, oh, yeah, we'll just go in, we'll flip the, the capsule open, we'll pull the implant out and sew you back up. But what you're left then with is this capsule that's been cut open. So all the toxins that haven't already permeated through the capsule now spill into your body. Um, the capsule gets re up into the breast with along with all the bacteria, the biofilm is a huge thing that happens when you create a capsule in your body, that biofilm, which houses microorganisms and parasites itself, um, stay within the body and keep you sick. Um, so you can do, there's three levels. You can take out the implant that way, leave the capsule in, you can go in cut the capsule open, take the implant out, and then get the capsule out, scrape it. But the way I did it, which I recommend all women do, is an on-block capsulectomy where they go in, they open you up much wider than it was putting them in because they have to have access. And then they carefully scrape that full capsulated implant out, cauterize it, withdraw it, and then they open it up and see what's in it so that there's no spillage. And in my case, it was extra essential because going in, they thought that I had intact saline going in. So if they'd a, if they, that had punctured, um, if they'd have punctured my capsule, if they'd have torn my capsule or cut it before they withdrew it, what really would have happened is the rest of that silicone would have spilled all into my body. So it's really essential. So many women think that they can figure out um, if they have a a leak or not. Um, Not all the technology out there um, shows whether you have a leak. You're supposed to get MRIs every few years. MRIs miss um, especially slow um, leaks. Um, Even sonocinase, which is a much less violent form of the mammogram, which women with implants should be getting instead of a mammogram because mammograms can rupture uh, very easily. Always show leaks. So, to remove it in its entirety is essential. In my case, my capsules were very thin because I hadn't had them in for so long and it resulted in a lot of extra um, scraping and loss of tissue. Um, But he got them out intact, even though they were very thin. So, and I'm a poster child for why that's important because I had leaky silicone in there.
0: Right. I remember you getting night sweats um, in the night. Um, Has that improved? The, the night sweats are
1: much better. Yeah. They still yeah. tend to increase around like the five days before my period, but they are not the, I think I told you, I mean, I, I would wake up yes. drenched like in the driplets of water, which were the sweat. Um, I had to change my sheets. I had to like, there was mold on my, um, my my mattress cover. Oh wow! From the drenchedness of it. So yes, it was obviously affecting something because that slowed down quite a bit. Um, my mood—that's oh, a big one. Um, I think if you were to look at the top five things that women with um, uh, BII present with, it's brain fog, it's memory loss, it's um, fertility issues. Inflammation, joints, but also um, anxiety and depression. And um, I, the anxiety was some of the stuff I talked about before, but it was just the sense of like something's wrong, like just general low-level anxiety of like something's wrong and I I, I feel like I'm dying, but this is going to be a really long, slow death and I don't have help I because... All the people I've reached out to, no one has, has been able to find the root cause. So I feel hopeless. I felt completely helpless. And as someone who has um, suffered with actual severe depression in the past, and um, I, I, you know, it, I've talked to you about, I was on SSRIs for 20 years of my life and getting off of SSRIs, you follow Michaela Peterson and probably have heard her journey with terrible the, the, the withdrawal from SSRIs is, it, it's a punishment that no one should ever have to go through. Terrible. So I never wanted to go back on them because I knew that that, that journey was really tough, um, but it felt the same. It presented the same, the same feelings of fatigue, which can mimic depression, um, the helplessness, hopelessness, and this impending doom. Of knowing instinctively something's wrong, but not having any power or ability to figure out what it is or to change it at that point was, was, was terrible. And it was debilitatingly draining.
0: As you're raising daughters, what do you think you're going to focus on in terms of wellness and nutrition and just loving themselves?
1: Well, at first I was as transparent as could be once I we talk about it all the time. We uh they have a really they have a cute sense of humor about it because I really I work with I show them my scars. Yeah. I um tell them how proud of my scars I am um because this is another um hurdle that I overcame. Um we talk about how beautiful my tiny little breasts are um, and how I'm so grateful that I, that I still have them, things like that. Uh, I try very hard to show them how, um, unrealistic social media is, you know, there are some videos out there that you can show to show the the pre picture and the post picture after two hours of Photoshopping and, um, you know, that kind of stuff and how that so many of the pictures they see aren't even real humans anymore because they've been exaggerated so much. And, you know, we talk about um, loving ourselves as is without judgment. You know, there's so much, so much in the world is, is judged um, as being good or bad when this is my body and this is how my body presents this is my cellulite. And this is how my cellulite looks. And this is how baggy my stomach is because I had two of you people in my body when I was 40. And that's how this is. Nature just gives you the the truth, right? And we as humans put this good and bad label on it. So I very much try to work with them on things being just great the way they are because it's you. And, you know, that's hard with 10 year olds, I think, because I'm trying, I'm talking a little bit like cerebrally, um, but hopefully some of that will, will trickle down and they'll see that um, I'm really focused on true authenticity now.
0: And and I'm sure it will, especially um, a lot of the children, they, you know, they do as they see, right. So as they see mom take care of herself and, um, respect her inner self, it will trickle down. And I know it's hard, but I think it's important to just share how you plan on doing that with your daughters, because I'm sure there's a lot of younger women that are listening to this, that maybe get got, I think a lot of implants are done a lot younger, right. Um, I don't, I don't know the, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, and which affects the fertility, and and right. so many women out there struggling with fertility issues because it affects the way that the progesterone and estrogen is received in the cells. Um, they struggle with fertility issues, and there's even been preliminary studies talking about women who breastfeed their babies with um, implants in; um, they have a higher rate of autism because of all the toxins that leach out into the into the breast milk. These are things to think about, you know, when you're 19 and you, you know, you're not, you wouldn't know to ask those questions to, to anybody. You're just not thinking, you're just thinking, I want to look good in a bikini. And I, I understand that. Um, But later in life, when those kind of um, things become really important to you, if you want to start a family or um, that's the kind of message that needs to get out there too.
0: The big takeaway for me was when I saw your pictures and that actual capsule, um, it's very vivid in my mind. And so I can't wait for you to share a blog post on the Nutrition with Judy website so that people can see these images and re- realize this is what your body is doing to protect yourself from this foreign object that the immune system is responding to with all its might to protect you. And then everything else that your immune system needs to protect you may not have as much of a priority anymore because it's trying to protect you from these foreign objects. And so it's not a surprise then why then your thyroid might take the backseat or your liver function may be showing higher enzymes and whatever else it may be. And I think that's why it was so important for you to have this discussion with me. And so thank you for bringing it up. And being so vulnerable. I mean, it's not easy to share these types of things. So thank you. Before you go though, I wanted to ask you a few questions that I got from the community because yeah. you know it's a, a discussion that a lot of people are curious about. So just to reiterate, so how long after did you notice that something was wrong? It
1: was about um, three to three and a half years. And I, and I'm trying to think about how, for me, my escalation was much quicker because of the rupture. Sure. I, I believe it's because of the rupture. I think for so many women when they struggle with like not being heard and being told they're normal for all these for decades is because it's a slow progression of just the shell. Um, slowly starting to infiltrate their body. For me, it, 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 almost, thank goodness it came so quickly, um, because mine was broken and, and they're not supposed to break. I mean, if you look at allergens website, they will maintain that 90% of their implants are all intact after 10 years. Well, you know, I maybe got three years before mine and I wasn't in a car accident, which is the number one and number two. And I, nor did I have a mammogram, so, um, I think I, I, um, ruptured it windsurfing, but I, who knows, I've, I I've no idea. So, um, I think that for, for women who are, you know, concerned about whether they're going to be able to tell the symptoms right away. I don't think so. I think it's going to, it takes a long leachy time for most women to get to the point where, they're willing to have it sink in that it might be their implants.
0: What if they just got new implants every so often?
1: Yeah, it happens a lot. Um, that's a mindset answer. Um, but it, it depends. I, I would say absolutely not um, because the capsules themselves, they are not, they're permeable right? They are not a watertight container holding in all of my silicone. They, if you look under at them under a microscope, they do have lacy structures, which are just, you know, exchanging fluids back and forth. Um, so it does leak out. If you want to spend the time and money to have an on block done every single time, you might be able to, Uh um, you know, slow that down a little bit, but that's, I can tell you my on block was expensive. And it was not covered by insurance.
0: So that was a question. Um, does insurance cover removal? Okay.
1: This is a very individual thing. Um, there are a few women who, for whatever reason, made the were given the exception. Um, uh, mine was not, even though it was ruptured. And um, I had to pay out of pocket for it. There are recalls on breast implants. Um, that have been shown to lead to, and I forget the initials, it's a certain type of um, cancer um, and leukemia, I believe those textured gummy ones um, are covered then if you have those to get those explanted because they are um, on a, on a recall list.
0: I mean, I know this question, but I'm just going to ask. So were your um, implants a choice um, or was it after a mastectomy? Oh, it was a choice yeah total
1: choice and and for women who have them for a mastectomy they you know my heart goes out they're in a much harder place they yeah. um they to, to not have breasts would be would be a real challenge i think but i they're given that their bodies are probably so busy already fighting the cancer or recovering from it um i would i would just argue that it would probably be even a a worse choice for them.
0: How intense is the removal process compared to getting them? I mean, you covered a little bit of that, but, um, a lot, like way
1: lot. Mine were under the muscle. Most women get it under the muscle because it looks better. Um, and my scars were three times as big and because he had to open me up to a point where he could get his instruments inside to get the capsule out and then cauterize and scrape and scrape. And then if you wanted to do a lift that goes along with it, a lot of the internal stitches um, that are up against the rib cage um, are, are pretty, are very deep and invasive. So recovery is you know, I'm eight weeks out and I can't lift weights yet. yet. I can't, you know, raise my arms up, you know, back super far. Like, like I used to be able to, it's, it's a lot getting them in. I was out for like two weeks maybe.
0: Um,
1: but like I said, there's all this detox stuff that goes along with it too.
0: Are you able to run right now? I can run. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can run. Okay. Yeah a lot of people are asking about your detox. So you mentioned a few things, but what other things are you doing to, um, I guess, properly detox.
1: Okay. So I am working with a, a certified silicone, like detox coach and she, you know, very like many of these women. And there's two, I can recommend for people who are interested, um, they had their own like pain to purpose story where they had them and they changed careers and invested, became like, um, functional nutrition, you know, practitioners that work one-on-one. So I'm on a supplement detox protocol, which opens up your detox pathways. First, the first stage of it is opening those up, which is why I do the, the sauna and the enema and the, all that stuff, because if you're clogged up, um, and I'm not just talking like colon clogs, but I'm talking about like if your liver is clogged and not methylating, if your gallbladder can't send the fluids out, if your kidneys are, aren't are talking to everybody, these toxins are just going to circulate in your body. So you have to get the detox pathways out first, sweating, breathe, breath work, um, that kind of stuff. And then the second phase of it is really trying to um, get it out of your brain and that there's the, the the more delicate portion of it because once the you take the supplements um, to go in and try to remove those substances from your brain and from your lymph, um, if you don't bind them properly with the right binders and the right schedule of binders, uh-huh. then it just recirculates and then makes you feel worse, and then it lands again, and then you have to go through the whole thing again. Um, so it's you need to work with someone.
0: And I fully agree with that. I mean, the thing with binders and chelators and all of those are that if you do it wrong, they're just going to circulate. And then they can actually adhere to areas like even the brain that you don't want it to go to. So that's where even heavy metals, um, you want to work with someone and you don't want to just take um, these chelators and binders and herbals on your own because it can cause a lot more harm. And I've seen Many, many people that have tried to do it on their own or read somewhere, joined some Facebook group and followed some protocol and they got worse. Yeah, so. the, the
1: trauma where there's something so symbolic about detoxing, right? I have found that working on kind of my broken brain, it, my, my typical go-to for 50 years of my life that I'm lacking and um, that I, or I, I, I don't feel empowered to do this um, to do this work on my own, all sorts of negative, um, shameful, um, ways of talking to myself, um, setting boundaries and getting rid of relationships that don't, that are really, really damaging for me, um, is such like the third leg of the stool. Yeah. I really feel.
0: And I think it's such a hard part and hard work to do, you know, go pulling the rug again and seeing all the stuff that you've just kind of, um, brushed under there to deal with on another day. And you see it in hair minerals. You see all the time where people's calcium shell is really high and they're just not dealing with the stress, but their body is feeling it, even though the mind is not aware such an important area that people should work on. So I'm fully in agreement with that. Are there any sites or do you have recommendations for explant surgeons?
1: I do. Um, I can send you that link, um, breast okay. Um, I believe has a list of explant surgeons who do the full en bloc, and they have, um, their, you know, brief dossiers or whatever about that. And then you can go to their website and get a really good handle about whether they, how they speak to it. The, the site that I went to, the, the surgeon that I went to, they provided me with my own breast implant illness advocate, who was, she was, she's a warrior. And she was with me for every um, appointment. She was with me for my five hours of surgery. She came to my hotel room afterwards, helped me pump my drains. Um, Truly, there are some supportive surgeons out there and you just have to get a a gut feel for
0: them. It's amazing. Yeah. I wish they would do that when you get them, right. Have the discussion of, and the last thing is um, there was, I mean, I asked people for questions and I got over a dozen responses with, I don't have any questions. I actually am a breast implant illness survivor as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, And then just for bringing light to this conversation. So a lot of people just said, thank you.
1: Oh, that's so nice. That's just, you know, I, I, the, to plant, I'm very vocal about it now, you know, cause I want to plant the seeds that maybe yes. if these women who hear this, they might not want breast implants themselves, but someday their teenage daughter might come to them. Right. And they might say, and they might be able to say, you know, Oh, please read these women's stories first before you decide. And let's talk, let's get you there, whatever, you know, it, it, the world kind of speaks to you sometimes in whispers, um, until you're ready to really hear it. And I, I love planning those whispers.
0: Yeah, and, and I see this joy in you. You know, whenever I work with clients, like there's, I can tell if someone's doing well or not as soon as I see them. And so there's a light in you. And so it's good, it's good to see. And, you know, this might be the journey that you had to go on to now fight as a warrior for um, the things you are. And this is, um, this is an area that's not really talked about. So it's really important.
1: Yeah, well, I'm so grateful for this platform, and I hope it reaches women. And I will do whatever I can. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I can provide as many resources as possible Um, that people are curious about. Um, reaching out to more sophisticated detox experts or breast implant illness advocates, I have those resources.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, thank you again for uh, joining me today. Is there contact information. Do you have a Facebook Instagram that people can find your just, I don't mean, it's just me
1: and pictures of my kids playing soccer, but (laughs) my name is Kay McLaren. And I, I left my Facebook open um, publicly for this, because if you scroll down, you can see my huge post that you read um, with the picture showing my eyes before surgery, which were inflamed and puffy and super bloodshot. Um, and then just within some a few days and then weeks after my my explant just how much clearer my face was i i dropped 6 pounds of inflammation within weeks i mean if, if you ask my son my 14 year old he's like well you're not as baggy you're still wrinkly but you're not as baggy mom <laughs> like okay you know but he even if my 14 year old is willing to say oh yeah now i see you're not as puffy and All that kind of stuff. It was, it was pretty, it was a really stark difference. And you could see that right away.
0: Thank you for sharing your story. So
1: I'm so honored. Thank you, Judy, very
0: much. Okay. All right, guys. I hope that this very real, honest, vulnerable conversation shares and sheds some light about breast implant illness. I'll be the first to say and admit that I am not an expert in this area whatsoever. And Um, Even in my initial questionnaire, there is a question about if you ever had a breast implant, and I will definitely be looking at it a lot more closely. I hope that this conversation gives you some more light about root cause and levers that you can pull. If you know someone that is thinking of getting breast implants or that has it and is just not feeling well, it may be something that they may want to look into a little bit closer. Make sure to check out the blog post. Kay's pictures are so, so incredibly educational and informative, and it's really shocking at what your body will do to protect yourself from a foreign matter in your body. Make sure to check out the picture in the blog post. All of it will be in the links. And thank you again, Kay, for just sharing your story and being so vocal and open and honest and an advocate in this space that even I am unfamiliar with. Okay, guys, make sure to eat a lot of meat. Take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live. I will talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye.